and uh, you know, hide me behind the cross, but apparently I didn't bring the notes, so this is a good start. So, if you have scratch paper, you know, take a page out of your Bible or something. No, not necessarily. Write in your Bible. You're good to do that. But I don't have any notes for you today other than what we have in our lesson. Hope everybody's having a great day. Pastor is out uh, with his family. They're, um, they're hunting bears, or the bears are hunting them. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. So, but uh, they're, they're out having an outing. So pray for their safety and their safe return. Um, but we get to be in church today, a beautiful day today, where we get to gather around God's words. Brother, uh, uh, Brother Davis is going to be preaching to us this morning. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Brother Dustin, did you get the memo you're preaching tonight? No nap this afternoon. No nap this afternoon. <laughs> Somebody's not getting a nap. <laughs> so, all right. But no, exciting day in God's house. Um, uh, we get to gather and get to be together. So, uh, studying this w- past two weeks, actually, uh, since we had uh, uh, Brother Spillman, wasn't he a blessing uh, last week? Brother Spillman, I, just seeing him uh, graduate college and uh, get married, just see him grow. It was just awesome to just see. Just, he, he, he preached with, uh, with maturity, uh, and I was just very impressed with that. And uh, what a great missions conference we had. If you didn't get to uh, be at all the services, uh, they should be online. Uh, check them out. Uh, what great messages we had from our missionaries, and uh, what a great time and great challenge. So, we're building below the baseline. We're working on that foundation in our life. Oh, by the way, welcome to our legacy builders who are here with us today. You get to be in our class. We are uh, studying uh, uh, the firm foundation, the foundation of our, our, of our faith. And um, it would be so awesome if we, when we got saved, that, that we just didn't sin anymore. It just didn't happen. Um, uh, it'd be awesome. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. It'd be, it'd be great that if, if, if we accept the, if Christ as our Savior, that he comes in and sin just, it just cannot come out of the Christian. And so, but that's not the case. That's not the case. We, uh, we, have, to, uh, we have to work on that. We have to work on, uh, uh, and Paul talks a lot about it, because I, I, I feel Paul dealt with it. Um, he dealt with a life uh, in his mind, uh, I'm sure, after he got saved, that was very shameful of, of what he was dealing with. So he had to deal with that. Um, and he is human. Um, uh, he, he deals with uh, the flesh. So, um, so he's going to talk about it, and we're going to be in the book of Romans today. Uh, if you open up your, the book of Romans, we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be, uh, 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 we're going to see what he has to say about sin, and how some people have misinterpreted the Bible about sin, and uh, the, the grace movement, uh, well, because I'm under grace, I get to sin, you know, and, and grace will abound more. Well, he, he, he addresses that, you know, um, and, and does, does sin have control over us? Are we letting sin have control over us? There's the, the Bible talks about that. And so, and so we're going to see from, uh, from Paul as he writes in Romans. So, uh, we're going to read verse one through 13, uh, in Paul's, uh, in, uh, Romans six from Paul. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, so he's talking to the Christians. He's talking to um, the folks who've, who've called upon the name of the Lord, who had to deal with uh, sin in their lives, and, and I think he's addressing some issues that are, that are happening. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so uh, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it uh, in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I will read verse 14 because it's good and it goes with it. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And that he was dealing with that with, with the Romans. He was dealing with What he's dealing with is the, the concept of dying to self. And you've heard this before, dying to self. Paul had to deal with this. He had to deal with um, dying to self. And uh, in the book of Romans, it's kind of quite interesting. It's dealing with justification and sanctification. Um, in the first, uh, you know, he's, he's dealing with getting saved, getting people saved. We talk about the Romans road. And then the justification that God did on the cross, that Christ did on the cross uh, to cleanse us from our sins, to, to save us. But the sanctification is making us more Christ-like. What, uh, once we get saved, then what? If, if there's no change, if there's nothing that we're supposed to be like, then why didn't he take us home? Why didn't he just say, oh, you're saved? Okay, you're, you're, you're in. You're, 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 I mean, like I've said before, that would be kind of a freaky thing to see. Why would I want to get saved? I'd die. No, no but, but you die to self. And so we're, Paul's going to address this. Um, he's going to talk, he, he, he addresses the justification and sanctification. Justification we can talk, look at that as releases us from the penalty of sin. It releases us from the penalty of sin. What was, what's the penalty of sin? Death. But justification releases us from that. Sanctification, however, releases us from the control of sin. From the control of sin. We don't have to let it control our lives. Sometimes we do. Many times we do as Christians. But we don't have to let it. Um, so, Romans 6, where we've been reading, is Paul's compelling argument. It teaches us how amazing grace does not lead us, uh, does not, uh, is not there so that we can sin, but it leads us away from sin. And so, let's, let's see what the Bible says. So, we need to learn how to die to self. So, it, this concept of dying to self, let's look at... Uh, first, it's a presumption to avoid. We got there's a, there's we've got to avoid this this issue of that. The more grace abounds, the more I can sin. It, back in verse one, but what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
no matter how ugly our sin is, God's grace is greater. But that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Our response should not be to sin more, which should be to sin less because of the grace of God, because of his love for us, because of what he did on the cross. In, in fact, it's an abuse, if you think about it, it's an abuse of God's grace when we let sin run in our life. And just, I mean, everybody's going to deal with some, something. Uh, could it be pride, could it be lust, could it be whatever it is you're dealing with. But we have a God that can help us through that. He gives us a way. So, um, so where, where people that abuse God's grace in this matter, I think they have a problem with one uh, interpretation. Interpretation. They're misinterpreting the Bible. Now, the, the Bible is very clear is that um, uh, you, need to, you need to study the Scriptures. Uh, I like the, I like the uh, verse out of Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, it's kind of comparing this, this workman, this, we've talked about a, a, before uh, an apprentice that he's going to study under a master and he's going to learn a craft. And wouldn't it be a shame at the end of that study that he hadn't learned anything? It's a poor reflection on him and a poor reflection on his master. But study to show thyself approved. Uh, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, looking at scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction, and instruction. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. Perfect is a, it's a pretty big word. But it says we can be there. Says that the man of God may be perfect. So, so getting Bible verses out of context, and that's what I think Paul was dealing with. People have gotten Bible verses out of context where they thought, well, I'm under grace now. I'm not under the law. Because that was a big deal. The law, and now we've got grace. Okay, so I'm free from the law, therefore grace allows me to do what I want. And you've probably heard Christians saying this. Up under grace, kind of yeah. It's almost actually it's almost a, a, a joke many times in the Christian community. Is that whoo? I failed there under grace. Have mercy. <laughs> mercy, amen, amen. But so so this this interpretation taking scripture out of context. Um, he he first uh, tackles that, but it's also a problem of in, of intention. It may be a heart problem. You know, Christ, when we got saved, Christ came into our hearts. He resides there. Um, If we allow sin to abound in our lives, aren't we forgetting that Christ is there? It's a, a problem of intention, our heart. We need to rely on God's words to expose hidden motives in our hearts and not not make excuses because of that. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Back to Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
How shall we that are dead to sin? God forbid that uh, in, the, in the Greek, that was, that was like saying no way. It was the strongest idiom in the Greek for the denial of something. God forbid. The correct way to enjoy God's grace is not to recognize its liberation, but to recognize its purification in our lives. It doesn't give me the license to sin. But boy, it gives me the license from sin. Power to say no to temptation and fleshly living. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeareth to all men in Titus, um, Titus, what was Titus two, I believe. Yeah, Titus uh, two eleven fourteen, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, uh, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that we might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous to works. We must avoid the presumption that since we are saved, we can do whatever we want to do. For brethren, you are called unto liberty, not only use not liberty for the occasion of the flesh, but to serve one another. We sang Amazing Grace. I love that song. There's a great movie, by the way, called Amazing Grace. Um, And it has a a scene in it, several scenes in it, with uh, John Newton, the uh, writer of Amazing Grace. Now, John Newton was a drunkard and a slave ship um, captain, basically. Uh, and he was part of the slave trade. Uh, he's England um, and uh, uh, English. And uh, he got saved. Now, in my mind, if I were a Christian of that day, I would look at a John Newton and say, there's no way that man is ever getting saved. He's a drunkard and a slave trader. He got saved. And God got hold of his heart so much that he penned those words for amazing grace. And he dedicated his life to preaching the gospel and winning souls. But he also understood that it made that grace that covered sin, that grace that covered his past sins, and he's got a new life in Christ, and that grace that prevents him from sinning again. He didn't want to be a drunkard. He didn't want to be a slave trader. He, he wanted to share the gospel. He wanted to glorify God. That's why he penned those words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So he understood that. He understood that it not only justifies his, his soul, it sanctifies it. So there's a presumption to avoid that grace will abound more if you sin. Just, yeah, just ask God, say, hey, did it, sorry, it happened again. No, it's a presumption, but it's a position to acknowledge. Let's acknowledge uh, this, this grace. The incredible truth about salvation is that we are in Christ. We have to recognize we are in Christ. Uh, we are not the old man. Have you ever, um, the Bible talks about the old man. Um, Clint Eastwood was one asked, once asked uh, in his later years here, uh, you know, he still uh, makes movies and directs and stuff like that, and I don't think he's a saved man, but it was interesting that he said, they said, how do you keep doing it? He said, I just don't let the old man in. He's not letting the old man in. He's going he's gonna to keep uh, being as young as he can. The Bible talks about this old man. The Bible says... Um, Knowing this, in Romans uh, 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. But hey, we're crucified with Christ. We need to acknowledge that we're 
crucified with Christ. Uh, we, we, have, we died with him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We crucified with Christ. When he died on the cross, our old man was nailed to that cross. And whether, whether it's an eight-year-old, a five-year-old that acknowledges it, their old man, that old man they were going to become was crucified on the cross. I was crucified on the cross, the old man. So he's not alive. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. Living in the old nature is not normal Christian living. It should be different. It shouldn't be. Normal is, is just everyday life. But it shouldn't be normal. It sh- we shouldn't have to continue in bondage, uh, nor have that nature of sin. It, that nature of sin does not have power over us. We're crucified with Christ. So, so uh, we're crucified with Christ, but we're also buried with Christ. Know ye not that many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? That we are buried with him by baptism into death in, in uh, Romans 6, 4. The old man was buried with Christ. The old man's gone. He's in the grave. Christ's not in the grave. The old man is. Every Christian should acknowledge that their old man is buried with, with Christ. And finally, raised with Christ. We're raised. Death, this, is a, this is that same picture that we have in baptism. That death, burial, resurrection. That we're new. We're new creatures. Not the baptism didn't do it, but it's a symbol. But it's a, it's a representative of God's um, dying on the cross, being buried, and raising from the dead. I'm so glad we have a Savior that's not in the tomb. Man, I'm just so glad we are. Romans um, 6, 4, like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We've been given a new nature. And it's not your life. It's Christ living through you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in verse in Galatians 2.20. So the position to acknowledge is simply this. We are to be dead to self and alive unto Christ. Dead to self and alive unto Christ. That is a victorious Christian life. It doesn't mean we're sinless, but sin doesn't have control over us. It doesn't have us in bondage. We can, stand, we can stand in our redeemed and victorious position at, at risen in Christ. No longer, uh, sin no longer reigns over us. We are victorious in him. Second so, uh, Timothy 2.11 It is a faithful saying, for if ye be dead with him, we also shall live with him. That ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man in Ephesians 4, um, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Jesus tells his disciples uh, that, he, that he came to give them abundant life. In John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not but to, for to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and you might have life more abundantly. He was, that's what he was telling his, his disciples. I've, given, I've come here to give you abundant life. So we have a presumption to... A, Avoid a position to acknowledge, but we have a process to activate. So we gotta, we can acknowledge it, and people do. We can acknowledge that we're not controlled by sin, but you still gotta do something about that. 
There's actions. There's, there's uh, putting, uh, putting your feet to the, to, the, to the walk, to the test, um, to ensure that, uh, that, that we can overcome this, that we can be victorious through Christ. There's an elderly woman who, died in a, who, who sadly died in a shack, just living very poor, having a, in severe poverty. But after her death, however, distant relatives were surprised to learn that she had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. Although the fact that she had the resources to live in luxury, she didn't live according to that fact, either through ignorance or frugality. What a tragic thing when a Christian who has the power, the abundance of God's grace in their life lives in poverty because of sin. Galatians 2.20 again, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, when it comes to light, you, um, there's no partial light and partial darkness. It's one or the other. There's one or the other. For, in Ephesians 5.8 it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. We are not partly light or partly dark. We are to, uh, we are to be walking in the light of the Lord. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. And we, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, how do we do this? How do we, how, how do we, how do we do that? We need one reckon. Now, I have here, what's this? Uh, where's one of my young people? Anybody know what this is? Checkbook. Yes, not a big wallet, but it's a checkbook. Checkbook. And there's nothing in it. Uh, no, but it's a checkbook. Now, you, many of you know that I, I love uh, budgeting and, and, uh, and uh, you know, financial kind of planning and things like that. Um, but with a checkbook, you, you need to reconcile your checkbook. Uh, if we don't reconcile with checkbook, what, what's, what's, the, what's the penalties of doing that? Debt. They're overdrawn. Um, right? Bounce checks. And, and a bounce check comes a $25 charge. All those things um, that when you don't reconcile your bank account. Something I had to teach my, my daughters. Um, about, you've got to know how much is in there before you write a check, which they don't write checks, or you swipe that card. Right? Uh, we have to reckon. We have to um, reconcile the account to know how much is in there before we take action. Well, Paul talks about this. Romans six eleven says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to, uh, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, Christ our Lord. It is, it is to take an account, it's to, uh, to calculate, to say that the old uh, man is crucified, that's one thing. We must, by faith, reckon it to be true in our individual lives. We must reckon daily. Sometimes it's a, it, sometimes, I think it's a daily thing. Lord, I want to be like you today. Give me that power. Give me that strength. You know, I like how pastor said it, you know, if you struggle in your prayer life, and this hit me hard. Say good morning to the Lord first thing. Just, just say good Lord. Get him started. Get, let's start our day with him. And then just say, Lord, 
help me be like you today. I want, you're, you're, taking, you're taking into account, is my account full? Lord, it's full today. We're going to live, live for you. Um, reckoning a lot acknowledges that we don't live for sin. We don't need to live with sin uh, because it's the, that's the old man's nature. Those without Christ are in sin. That's the old man. We don't have that anymore. So we don't need to reckon it. We don't need to be a part of that bank account. We have a new account. And if we don't reckon, we can easily revert back into old habits if we don't reconcile daily. So I encourage you, reckon. I die daily. This is that dying to self where we get out of the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die daily. A daily process that Paul, he wanted to daily activate the victory of the, of the cross in his life. And we should do the same. Uh, not only will that, is it a way to have sustained longevity in the Christian life, um, but it is through this reckoning that, that we can uh, draw closer to the Lord. George Mueller was greatly used of God in the 19th century to care for over 10,000 orphans in England, as well as being used of God in preaching the ministry. One day, someone asked him how he seemed to have such, uh, so much spiritual power. He simply responded, one day, George Mueller died. His old man died, and God was using him. So positionally, we are victorious, but practically, we must rec- uh, reconcile uh, daily uh, to be victorious. But we've already got the victory there. It's ours to have. So we need to reckon. And then we need to yield. Lastly, we need to yield. In Romans 6, 13, But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and remembers as instruments of righteousness unto God. Uh, Yielding means to place at the disposal of. When we yield ourselves unto God, we, we want him to be glorified through us. When we, when we give him, we're basically saying, you've got control. You've got, uh, uh, I, I like when, uh, when you fly two people, um, if, he, if uh, Brother Dustin's flying and he's got someone else in the aircraft with him, another pilot, they don't both control the, the plane at the same time. One has to shake the stick and say, I've got control. I have the stick. Same thing with, with the Lord. I, I, want him to, I want him to fly. <laughs> I don't want him to be my co-pilot. I want him to fly. My actions might not say that. Though. But when I yield, when I say you have control, when, when, when uh, maybe my knuckles might get white sometimes. You know, does anybody do that when, when their spouse drives or something? Mm. I'm yielding to you. It's biblical, Right? No. Um, or when your young daughter starts learning how to drive. I don't yield to her. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I was very boisterous as an instructor uh, teaching. But, but we have to yield to the Lord. I mean, well, who else are we going to yield to? I'm going to yield to myself. I don't, know any be- I don't know any better. But the king of kings, the one who made me, the one who made me in his image, I'm going to yield to so we're going to place, our, uh, sell, place myself in the disposal of ourselves. Um, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, the reality is we all struggle. Like I said, I wish we didn't. But we're sinners saved by grace. I, just an aside, I was just thinking about sometimes, uh, I think about politicians. Not a life I would ever want to have. Um, but the skeleton's in their closets and they try, try to hide it. But rarely do I ever say, hear them say, you know what? I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by grace. Can't do anything about the past but I could do things about the future. And that was where Paul was. He was a sinner. Saved by a heavenly father that loved him even though he persecuted God's people. So he, he is teaching what he had to go through. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it to the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So, so many Christians struggle with this. Um, when we commit sin, we act independently of God's presence in our lives. Sometimes it's easier if you just acknowledge that God is present with you. It might help. I know it will help. Yield is a word that speaks of the heart. It's not just an outward motion. It's the inner decision to give in to God. Let's just give in to Him today. Every day. Someone who habitually struggles to live victorious may say, I don't know why the old man takes over. He doesn't have to. I don't know why the old flesh wins. The answer lies in our choices. To whom we yield is generally who we love. So do I love self or do I love Christ? So, so many Christians have a miserable life because of sin has dominion over them. And I hope that's not the case with, with us. Um, I hope that's not the case with you. We need to know that victory is available. God, when we got saved, God gave us that victory. He gave us that ability to have an abundant life, that ability to, to overcome sin. He gives us a way out. At minimum, he's always there. That's our way out. But he gives us a way out. Don't, uh, don't misinterpret the Bible or let people misinterpret the Bible for you. Uh, to say, yeah, sin, just ask God's forgiveness. It's true, God will forgive you. But man, isn't it embarrassing to go back and back and back and back and back? Uh, yes, uh, you know, so to surrender. Uh, it's, to yield is to uh, place myself at the disposal of. To place myself at the disposal of. Let somebody else have control. In your life. So, today, as in every day, I hope that you'll, you'll yield to God. I hope that you'll acknowledge that he has, He's given you the abundant life that you can have. That I can have. And I'm talking to myself, guys. I struggle with that, too. Go into a... We, we leave this place which is safe. We're like-minded. It's a place where we can be edified and grow and encourage challenged. And we go into the world. And the world is wanting to do the 
opposite of that to us. They're wanting to, uh, they're wanting you to, they're wanting to see you fall. They're wanting to see, many of them want to see how real this is to you. Maybe the realness in our lives, maybe that yielding, maybe that uh, understanding that I'm going to let God control my life, maybe that will then bring others. You know, it's not forsaking witnessing and forsaking sharing the gospel, but still we, we do have to have a life that reflects God. You know, I, I, I've talked with Christians who have a glass of wine in their hand. I said, okay, well, let's go soul winning. Bring the wine. Let's see how that goes. It, it doesn't work. Go to the bar and be where the sinners are. Well, they're just, you know, that's a horrible place to be. Be outside the bar. You can, you know, speak to them when they come out. But we have a God that loves us. Send his son to die on the cross for us. That we can have an abundant life. And so I pray that we'll reckon, uh, reckon your checkbooks, reckon your life with, with Christ daily. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. I just thank you that we could be here. I pray that, Lord, uh, uh, that we will die daily. Um, let that old man be in the grave. He didn't, he didn't come up with you. Um, you, brought, you brought our new lives with you. And, Lord, I pray that we'll just uh, uh, tap into what you have for us. We'll yield to you because you have better control than we could ever have. Lord, be with us in the remainder of our, our time this morning. Be with Brother Davis as he brings the message. Hide him behind the cross and, and soften our hearts to receive the message you placed in his heart, Lord. We sure do love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, some folks got to get to class. And thank you.